0: i call it little theater it was never little theater look 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 look, look, look. <laughs> hey i'm look, recording look, look, look. so for all the listeners <laughs> mom's just been showing me pictures of sam elliott trying to convince you that he's hot <laughs> it's not working yeah, this is has it? been going on for like
1: 10 minutes <laughs> 10 minutes
0: And remember, this podcast is not safe for work, so listen with headphones. Hello, and welcome to Freudian Sips, the podcast about brains, beverages, and other BS. I'm Bonnie. And I'm Anna. Hello.
1: Hey. <laughs> hello. Hello. Hello, governor. going to God do God from me. the other side of the pond.
0: No, we're not.
1: No, I can't. That's as long as I can do it. I,
0: <laughs> I can I, only say hello, like governor.
1: <laughs> I lose the accent like in 10 enough. seconds.
0: I love that accent. So hello, Sipsters. It's so good to have
1: you along with us today. Hello,
0: friends. How are you doing?
1: See, now last time you kind of got on
0: me because I was like talking to him
1: and asking him well, to talk back. Well, that's because I started and, it. And then, uh, okay. Yes.
0: So I'm sorry, Zipsters. We don't know how you're doing. You can't talk to us. But we are very empathetic, so we
1: might be able to feel how you're feel, feeling. Just feel just if you even think from about the past. It. Yes, that's very true.
0: It is lovely to have you along with us. Yes. We're heading toward the holidays. We've got, yeah, we've got kind of an interesting set of episodes, I think. Mm. We're planning on this being a two-parter, but if it's not, if we don't have enough to make it a two-parter, <laughs> we might just skip next week.
1: No, it's going to be a two-parter, don't okay, worry. Okay, it'll be a two-parter. It is. Cuz cuz it's a big fat episode. Big
0: fat guy that we're talking
1: about. <laughs> I don't think he's fat at all. I but think he is. No. But our information is fat.
0: That's probably a better word we can use for that. Mhm. I know,
1: but that's the word I'm using. So, yeah. Do we have any correspondence today? I'm just feeling
0: sassy today. I am
1: a little sassy. I am. I don't know why.
0: We have some a- new reviews.
1: Would you like to share those with us?
0: Share that with the class? Of course I would. Okay. We've got actually a couple that I've just been slacking on on mentioning. So (gasps) some of them are. I know. I know. One of them is from Booklet Podcast. And the title is Love. It says, I love these two ladies. Their banter is so fun. Their topics are varied and incredibly interesting. And their advice is spot on. Anna's laugh makes me smile, and I want Bonnie to be my mom. Aww. Ten out of ten would recommend and have recommended, and it's a ten star or ten star 10, five star. It's, wow! Get it's that out of five. <laughs> I'm sorry, we've already had a few. We <laughs> we should clarify we.
1: We had a good lunch today.
0: We had a good lunch, and I had some <clears throat> Pinot Grigio, and I wasn't expecting it to hit me quite so
1: good. <laughs> Anna was felt it felt a
0: little bit touched Anna by was that. By like, it. It. I was felting. I was doing like with like felt. In. Yeah, I, I really was. <laughs> it wasn't even a heavy glass. <laughs> like her eyes were rolling around. She was. <laughs> yeah, that's what I yeah. do when I'm drunk. My eyes <laughs> just like they do. It's like cartoon characters
1: where they go. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That is how I look. Thank you so so we thank you for that review. That was awesome and I will be happy to be your mom mom. Yeah,
0: you can just I will borrow just, her.
1: I will just mom as many people as, as I many. can.
0: And then from Derelict 88. It says drink it in. Also a five star. The field of psychology is naturally fascinating. freudian sips takes the idea of a podcast exploring the facets of the field and enhances it with a dose of humor and fun. Despite so, the mother and daughter duo remain informative and engaging. It's a balance executed quite well, and the show is approachable for everyone. General listeners and health practitioners alike. Give them a listen and subscribe.
1: Wow. Yeah. That's very well worded. Very sweet. Yeah. Yes. Sounds like a writer or something. I mean,
0: <laughs> a journalist has revealed. Perhaps.
1: Perhaps someone really professional. I guess. Yes.
0: But those are very sweet. Thank you. Thank you.
1: We really appreciate your reviews. Thank you.
0: And we've gotten, and I won't read it because I didn't really get permission to read it, but we've we've gotten like a a message from someone who listens to us and says that we just kind of make her feel at home when she listens. So if you're listening, hello. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. That made us both just a bunch when we read it. That's
1: exactly what we did. Yeah. Yeah. We do that every once in a while. We
0: do that a lot. I think. (laughs)
1: When we hear from you zipsters, we always do that. Because we get excited about that. That is
0: something that I don't think will ever change. Like if if someday in the future we're like super big and just (laughs) we're getting a whole (laughs) bunch of correspondence, I don't think that feeling will ever go away of just like overwhelming delight that people like listening to us. Mm -hmm. I don't think that'll ever go away. I think we'll always just be very flattered when Mm -hmm. people say they like listening to us. I agree. So thank you for that. Thank you, guys.
1: We like you, too. <laughs> just so you know. We give you five stars. <laughs> we'll give you ten stars. It's
0: just out of five. That's right. 200%. What episode are we on, Anna Marie? Well, I mean, it's 42, this one. Uh-huh. There might also be a 43 here. Right, 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 right. So we may also be verging into 43, but we'll mm-hmm. deal with that later. That's a 45 minutes from now problem. <laughs> But
1: this topic has a lot of info. We
0: uh we mentioned this last week when we were talking about how lazy we had been,
1: <laughs> where we were like
0: we just want to choose we something so that's authentic easy with
1: you, sipsters.
0: Yeah, and so we were like, well, we were going to do mm-hmm. someone else, but then they are a developmental psychologist, and then we were mm-hmm. basically saying we should do Piaget, mm-hmm. um, a guy named Piaget, if we're going to do this person. I'm sorry. I thought that was funny. We we should do a guy named Piaget. (laughs) Some guy. Charlie. Some Piaget. We need to like do a lottery, a Piaget lottery, and pick someone named Piaget.
1: (laughs) Because that sounds like a good name.
0: So a theorist named Piaget. Because my mom is feeling very confrontational today. Um...
1: She can dish it, but sometimes when I dish it back,
0: she gets a I get very sensitive. <laughs> I dish it out, and then as soon as she gives it back, I'm like. <laughs> and then I'm like, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to do that. I just drink my wine. No. Drink your wine. And um, so we're talking about Peter Jay today, that
1: basically. We got to that, yeah. We got there. Yeah.
0: But we just need to suck ourselves up a bit because there is, like Mom said, uh-huh. just a lot of information with this guy. He's he's a very prominent theorist especially in developmental psychology. So there's just a lot to talk about. I mean, he had a really big influence on developmental psych and education. He mm-hmm. he continues to have a big influence on education. And so it's just very there's a lot to talk about.
1: I agree. And so if you're if you're listening and you're an educator, I'm sure that you've heard a lot. About Piaget. Would they?
0: So when you were, I when, did when
1: I was an educator. when you
0: were a teacher, did they say like Piaget? Like, did you know it was a Piaget theory that you were looking at? When I taught kindergarten, especially, really, there was a lot of that. Yeah, interesting. Okay, so but maybe that common. was
1: because I was interested in that anyway, and so I tended to listen to those kind of things. Yeah, at conferences and read. Those well, I
0: always books. do wonder that because I I do think that there are psychology theories that get applied to kind of general topics and uh-huh. and general fields of study and i i never know because i'm not in those fields of study how much they're like and this was a theory from this person mm-hmm. you know i'm never sure how much they attribute it mm-hmm. it's just like oh this is a thing that we figured out yeah here it is it
1: no it was my experience they talked about piaget a lot okay cool yeah
0: credit where credit's due absolutely citing your sources <laughs> that's right <laughs> do we have anything else to talk about before we get into the history baby No. Give us reviews, buy our merch. Oh, I will talk about merch because we are going to have a Black Friday and Cyber Monday deal going on.
1: Really? For
0: our merch. We are.
1: Wow, that's a great idea. Yes. I'm glad.
0: Once Black Friday hits, if you use the code Cyber10 C Y B E R 10 you will get 10% off your order.
1: (gasps) And then how long does that last?
0: I set it to last until Tuesday. Okay. So after Cyber Monday. Cool. So uh, yeah, it will last the whole weekend and it will last until like through Monday. So just your whole order. Mm -hmm. If you want to buy some Furnace merch for all your friends and family for Christmas. Yeah, we've been making jokes about the Christmas
1: thing, but honestly. I mean. Yeah.
0: I think we should also make some more shirts, but I don't know what to make. Do you have some creative? I mean like monkey hugger shirts.
1: Oh, that would be funny. Yeah. Like more... Monkey More hugger. like specific like episode references. Like hit on, references. hit on, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there have been a couple of specific little terms that yeah. would make good if shirts. If anyone has a
0: good... If anyone's been listening, like binging through and been like, oh, that would be funny to have on a shirt.
1: Monkey hugger would definitely monkey. be a good one.
0: <laughs> I, I don't know the legality of using Yippie Kaye monkey hugger, <laughs> but I really, really want that on a shirt. So I'm not sure. But if anyone has like, oh, yeah, I'd really like to see that on a shirt. Mm-hmm. Please let us know. Please reach out to us because That would be fun. I will make so many shirts. <laughs> you guys don't even know.
1: So Anna has been um had the homework to study the history of Piaget. Because oh, yes. mommy doesn't like to do the history.
0: I'm the history person. You are. Are we doing the history now? I gotta figure out where to put some... in the music.
1: Do you have some oh do you have
0: the music? <laughs> I'm cutting oh it out and putting God. it in. Okay. <laughs> Okay, it's time for history. Jean Piaget is who we're talking about today. He was born on August 9th. No, he wasn't born in 2896, Anna Marie. He was born in 1896 in Neuchâtel, which is not the cheese... Let me clarify. <laughs> there is a cheese type. There really is? There che- is. It's it's like cream cheese, but light. Mm. It's Neuchâtel. I think it's pronounced Neuchâtel, but it has an F in there. Oh. This isn't that. Neuchâtel is a Francophone region in Switzerland, which just means they speak French, which is why his name is Piaget. Ah. He was the oldest child of Arthur and Rebecca Piaget. Arthur was a professor of medieval literature at the University of Neuchâtel. Oh, my. So, Jean developed an interest in biology, especially zoology, Very early on in his life, at 11, while he was a pupil at Nuschatel Latin High School, he wrote a short paper on an albino sparrow. Hmm. Yes. And by the time he was 15, he had published several papers about mollusks. (laughs) (laughs) That does not seem that
1: interesting, but okay.
0: For (laughs) 15-year-olds. Any (laughs) 15-year-olds out there, if you're interested in mollusks, Good for you. If you can make
1: mollusks interesting, <laughs> then you have a great. He deal was of... really highly regarded in the
0: field. He was a mollusks expert. Fun fact: someone who studies mollusks is called a malacologist. Oh, really? Yeah. So, like, there's a whole group of people that just that's their life. Is he studying. was offered a job when he was 15 because of the papers he was writing about mollusks. <laughs> How do you even start to be interested? (laughs) How do you get interested in that? I
1: don't know. (laughs) Hmm, Of all the things in the world I could study, I think I shall choose mollusks. You know, mollusks. I'm not even
0: sure what constitutes a mollusk. (laughs) Snails aren't mollusks, right? Clams? like yeah the, the shells that Oysters. are like a, yeah
1: like an oyster shell like you open Not, up and they look like specific. snot basically it's like a <laughs> snot that has a life it's like a snot with an armor on it uh, he studied a live snot
0: when he was that 15. was the title of his first paper
1: "Snot the study that is of live snot
0: by Jean Piaget
1: <laughs> i don't know how he went from that to what he went to that's crazy
0: I do kind of see this like interest in biology and the sciences leading to, and I think because, especially because of the people that we've talked about thus far, the timelines have matched up enough that psychoanalysis was becoming a bigger thing. Right. And so that drew these science right. people who were saying, like, I'm already interested in science, and this is kind of a new field of science that's it's coming like, this up. This
1: is what's trending it, now. It
0: kind of is. Like, yeah. oh, this is really becoming hot and trendy, mm-hmm. so I'm going to jump on this. I, I I think there's more to it. I think people really do, like, find value in the psychoanalysis stuff. But a lot of what I've seen through the theorists we've already studied is, oh, and psychoanalysis popped up during this time, and they were like, I want to get on that train. <laughs> so this is possibly a side note but it seemed important he had a nanny when he was a kid when he was a baby and the nanny said that he had almost been kidnapped when he was an infant and she fought off the kidnapper oh my goodness when he was like two now okay so the next thing i'm going to read is directly from piaget it's a direct quote that was later published in a paper about memory okay I was sitting in my pram, which my nurse was pushing in the Champs-Élysées, when a man tried to kidnap me. I was held in by the strap fastened around me while my nurse bravely tried to stand between me and the thief. She received various scratches and I can still see vaguely those on her face. Wow. Then a crowd gathered and policemen with a short cloak and a white baton came up and the man took to his heels. I can still see the whole scene and can even place it near the tube station. When I was about 15, my parents received a letter from my former nurse saying that she had been converted to the Salvation Army. She wanted to confess past faults and in particular to return the watch she had been given on this occasion, she had made up the whole story, faking the scratches. I, therefore, must have heard as a child the account of the story which my parents believed and projected it into the past in the form of a visual memory.
1: Wow. That's very interesting. Yeah, because even when you were telling the beginning of it, and I was sitting here thinking, if he was only two years old, he doesn't have actual I don't remember memory that. of that. That's just he's remembering what people have told Which him. Which we and so then it's really need to do an
0: episode on memory because we do, memory is notoriously
1: misrepresented.
0: Exactly, like it's very easy to create false memories. And actually, this quote was published in a paper by Elizabeth Loftus, who is another big name in psychology about false memory. Ah, okay. so. That's a perfect example yeah in this interest in false memory fascinated him for his entire life i mean he knew when he was 15 that it had been admitted that this was false mm-hmm. so he knew that this memory that even persisted after he learned that it was false was a false memory wow and he was aware of it so he was constantly fascinated by this And I don't know because I didn't do the research on the theories. Mom Mm -hmm. will get into that Mm -hmm. later. I don't know how much that influences his theory. But to me, that's very significant in how a person looks at psychology. Uh huh. So I Wow. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, back to sparrows and mollusks
1: (laughs) (laughs) albino sparrows. Albino
0: (laughs) sparrows and regular mollusks, I guess. (laughs) After high school, Jean studied natural sciences and got a PhD from the University of Neuchâtel. During this time, he published two philosophical essays, which he considered as adolescent work, which is the most galaxy brain, I am very smart thing that I've ever heard. Like, oh, it's the philosophical. It's just (laughs) kid stuff. (laughs) Kid stuff. (laughs) No, I think what he meant was like, I've grown since then, since I've published those philosophical papers, but... Publishing a philosophical paper when you're... Does
1: not sound very In adolescent. your PhD yeah, program, yeah, I suppose.
0: Yeah. So he dorked around Zurich for a year at the university, but what he developed an interest in psychoanalysis when he was there. So he moved to France in 1919, where he worked at the École de la Rue de la Grande Jobelle.
1: <laughs> that was very good. Thank you,
0: thank you, thank you. <laughs> right. uh-huh, that was I very good. I practiced that a lot. <laughs> Très bien. I had my husband read it for me. <laughs> There's a lot in here that I said, hey, how do you say this highlighted word?
1: <laughs> uh, that just means. Great with the French.
0: you great. <laughs> a street school for boys is oh, all geez. that means. Ecole <laughs> means school and rue means street. So Ecole de la rue de la Grande Rabelle. So the school was run by one Alfred Binet. Do you remember that name? I do. The IQ guy. IQ guy. Exactly right. Jean was actually hired by Théodore Simon, who was... Man, you are
1: Frenching out.
0: Thank you. I'm Frenching out. (laughs) Frenching. I love it. I love Frenching. I'm uncomfortable. Ah! Oh, like that's the weirdest thing we've talked about on the show. But Jean was hired by uh, Simon to help standardize the tests that he and Binet were developing. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So Jean Piaget was actually integral in developing the Binet-Simon, what we call now the Stanford-Binet mm-hmm. tests. That's crazy. That was our last episode. I thought that, that was is really cool. really cool how that's hooked together. Yeah. So while he was helping basically score some of these tests, he noticed that a lot of young children gave wrong answers But that the answers that they were giving were, I guess, consistent in their wrongness is a good way to say this.
1: Yeah, they all answered it the same way wrong. Right, exactly. It's
0: not just like they were guessing and they got the wrong answer. They they were exhibiting some sort of logic that they were applying to these answers Mm -hmm. to get the wrong one. And the wrongness was distinct in the way that older kids and adults got some of the questions wrong. So that led to him having this theory that kids' cognitive processes are inherently different than older kids' and adults' cognitive processes. And that led to his stages theory. Exactly. Which is not my job to talk about, so I'm not going to talk about it. <laughs> so we
1: will talk about that we'll later. We'll talk about that
0: later. Later. So in 1921, he returned to Switzerland. He acted as the director of the Rousseau Institute in Geneva, which was, I guess, also directed because he was the director. I didn't get clarification on this, <laughs> They called them <laughs> both the director. I don't know what's going on. But this guy named Edouard Clapperhead. One of these guys. <laughs> Stop it. I'm trying. I just like
1: that when you do the French words, it's like you kind of raise your eyebrows you a little kinda bit. You got to kind of
0: make your shoulders a little square. Yeah, bit. and you
1: kind of like raise your whole posture. It's like then- you're
0: holding one of those Cruella Deville cigarettes. Yes, And you've that's got exactly like a beret it. on your head. So you you've got to balance
1: it. And you kind of go, Edouard Clapperhead. yeah ha
0: Okay. Good job, the Duo Lingo Owl would be so upset with me right now. <laughs> <laughs> so one of Edouard's ideas was that he had something called groping, which is not a sex thing. <laughs> I'm just saying, groping it sure sounds like a sex thing to me. I know. It's about trial and error in human mental patterns.
1: Okay, so like, so groping, it's like groping for, for the an right idea. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. So
0: it's about learning. I mean, it's sure. about development. It and just learning. sounds dirty because we it have a dirty minds. It just sounds mind. dirty because of groping. <laughs> he probably should have come up with a better name. But I have, <laughs> I have used that. I'm
1: groping for an answer. Just like
0: groping, you're groping, for reaching for a, straws. Yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah, no,
1: I don't use the word groping. You don't. Now that yeah, I say you're that you're out loud, I'm like, yeah, that's bull yeah because we have guests we i'm just guess. i'm just putting it on there. i'm groping for an answer no no that's probably not what i would say
0: <laughs> i should hope not mom quit groping i would mom stop groping things
1: how many times do i have to tell you to stop groping Mom, i can't
0: take you anywhere you just grope everything i need to take you home uh in 1923 jean married valentine Chatenay. they had three kids jacqueline Lucienne and Laurent. Oh, you're so good at this. Thank you so much. I practiced so hard. Jean studied them because, of course, he did. Because that's we've what had, they all do. for the past like four episodes, we've yep. had people who study their kids. Why is this
1: happening? I have to say, as a mother, you always kind of study your own kids. I but guess. you just don't, like, put them into papers and stuff.
0: That's the thing. If you're in the field <laughs> and you're, like, taking notes on them, yeah. it's not a kid anymore. It's a scientific experiment. Kind of true. But it did have a big impact on his theory of learning and, and theory of kind of mental development. He studied them, from what I can see, he studied them from... Like, infancy to their language development was the main area he studied them. Okay. And he studied their intellectual development during this time. I mean, and that's fair... I can see that the best way you could have a longitudinal study is people you're around all the time,
1: right? So I mean, and it's not like he was doing anything no, to like them it's not them. He was, just, them with he, was something. he was observing. He was observing.
0: Them. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't have a big problem with it. I just think it's a weird like thread we've been yeah. kind of running into. We have in the seen past, that a lot. That's true. Like few episodes. Yeah,
1: maybe it made him spend more time with his children though. So in the long run, <laughs> maybe it was a positive thing.
0: Yeah, like his kids couldn't tell that he was, they were like being observed. <laughs> he's sitting there in with a his side, notebook. He's just sitting in the corner <laughs> with scratching notes, and they're like, "Dad, will you play a puzzle with us?"
1: Why do like, you say that? No. Why do you want to do
0: that? Tell Why? me how you're looking Why? at the puzzle. Do you? Yeah. How do you identify the puzzle? How do you? How, how would do you somebody look? else look at that puzzle? What yeah. Do you think? They're like, "Fine, I'll just do it by myself, Dad." <laughs> Never mind, Dad. So rapid fire. Of the rest of his freaking life. Okay. From 1925 to 1929, he worked at the University of Neuchâtel as a professor of psychology, sociology, and philosophy of science. Hmm. In 1929, he took a job as the director of the International Bureau of Education, where he stayed until 1968. He never, and he never had like a job in education. He was just, Uh I I think his theories lend really well to education. So he probably had quite a big...
1: So it doesn't say anything about him ever being like on a... I don't even know what. Well,
0: okay. So the next point is that his ideas did spread to the United States in the mid to late 1950s. And in 1964, he got invited to be a consultant at some conferences in America to address how his cognitive development theories could basically be applied to curriculum development for schools. there you go. So he was involved in the education scene mm-hmm. at some point that makes sense and in 1979 he was awarded the Balzan prize for social and political sciences wow in 1980 he died he was buried with his family in an unmarked grave in the cimetière den Rois, the cemetery of kings in geneva as per his request
1: i don't understand how you're buried with your family in an unmarked, unmarked grave. grave i
0: know i don't how do that? they know
1: that's your family if it's unmarked
0: i mean i bet they have a map <laughs> Have <laughs> a map that's like So just unmarked means nervous. you don't have
1: a tombstone or you have a headstone or whatever. I
0: believe that's correct. Yes. Huh. I wonder why it's unmarked.
1: So nobody can go and visit him?
0: I that's probably why. Just to maintain his, his privacy. People. Yeah. Hm. Makes me kind of sad. But cuz you can't go like rob his Yeah, crib? I could
1: go like do etchings on his headstone with a little <laughs> I went to Piaget's grave. It's kind of creepy.
0: Do you do cemetery etchings? No, I I
1: don't really do that anymore. (laughs) Anymore!
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, and that is the history. That is the history. That is Jean Piaget.
1: That's amazing.
0: Whenever I do these history things... What I'm mainly concerned about is, like, who was this person? Like, what kind of person were they, basically? Mm-hmm. There was not a lot for Jean. Hmm. I even looked, I got, Google doesn't like me, because I put in things like, what kind of a dude was Piaget? <laughs> and it doesn't give me a lot of good answers. Yeah, no. it, it's like, <laughs> I just want to know what kind of person they were. And Google's thinking, she's not very Google's deep, like, so we don't I have to don't know somebody, what that means. Somebody who words questions like this does not deserve a really <laughs> Yeah, answer. basically. But I just, I, I don't know, like, I know he kind of studied his kids, but was he a good dad? Was he a nice guy? Like, How did his pictures look? I didn't
1: really look at any of his I pictures.
0: S- I mean, fine.
1: Does he look French? Y- yeah. Does he
0: wear a beret? No. <laughs> I don't think everyone does that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's something there. That does no? No, he looks like a nice. The pictures I saw were of him older. Uh huh. He has like black wire frame glasses. So 1980. I mean, that's not that long ago. No, it's really he not. was around. Yeah. Okay. I mean,
1: are you going to show me a picture? Yeah. Okay. Oh, there he is. That's a beret,
0: Anna Marie. I. I guess it's a. Beret. He has a beret. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's a beret in that particular picture. He is totally wearing a bray. <laughs> he's a cute little man. He looks nice. Yeah. He looks nice, but there are, I mean, I'm sure there's pictures where Hitler looked nice. So I don't know. <laughs> Everybody can look good in Everybody a picture. Everybody can look nice in a picture. <laughs> but yeah. So let's, let's crack into his
1: theories a okay. little bit. Okay, let's do that. As we switch gears, can I give you a quote from Albert Einstein? Sure. Why is about, he here? About <laughs> Albert's here. Albert's here. and He would like to share Why his he view here on Piaget.
0: Sure. Why? So this yeah. is a quote
1: from Albert Einstein, and he called Piaget's discovery quote so simple only a genius could have thought of it.
0: Isn't that kind of cool? I like it.
1: I like when one genius compliments another genius. Yeah. Because we just kind of talked about you know genius. We did. We talked about intelligence
0: that. and different kinds, yeah. and I think that's Einstein saying like. This is a thing a genius came up with but it's not it's so simple typically recognized as a genius thing. Right. That's
1: what I would like to say even before we jump into those theories is the idea that as we think about this stuff, I don't know if it's because I've been a teacher for a long time or if it's being a mom or just being a human, to me it's like well duh, yeah. yeah. Kids don't think the same way grown-ups. Right.
0: Think. <laughs> right. I mean,
1: did it take a scientist to say
0: that? What, yeah. I remember when Nathan and I were first dating when I learned that he he's a linguistics person he has a degree in linguistics and when I first learned that I was like fascinated by it and I saw this article that's like 10 mistakes that infants make when they speak that actually shows that they are very logical and they're thinking about things very logically Uh huh. and it's things like I like verb tenses. I mean, English is a dumb language, so it's things <laughs> like true. But it doesn't mean it doesn't
1: mean that they're dumb or that it just means that's no. the way their brain works.
0: And I and
1: I guess that's the way I look at all this theory is the idea like why is this such a big deal to say that kids the way that they process things is different than the way an adult Processes things to me. That's like, yeah. I thought we all understood that, but it is a, it's a huge theory. Oh,
0: like I go it fast. I go it. I go it instead of I went. Right. Like cause because went that is it make... a regular verb. <laughs> right.
1: Right. Is so they're actually following what
0: should be the rules. Exactly. Of, yes. Yeah. They're correct, and we should listen to them. <laughs> we should all talk. like We should all talk like babies. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's just these. These things that, obviously, if you spend any amount of time around kids, you're like, they're not making that mistake because they're stupid. They're mm-hmm. making that mistake because that's logic applied in the way that they see the world.
1: Right, without having the information and the growth that comes later in life.
0: Right, which, so, honestly, some of that's dumb. I mean, some of some of the stuff we follow as adults in the world is dumb, <laughs> but we just do it because it's how it's we've always done it. It's a cultural. It's a yeah, thing. exactly. Right.
1: So basically, in Piaget's view, all of our early Anna has a box of wine. That I've has got been- a bag of wine that has now transferred to just being a bag of wine. I
0: didn't think my box of wine had any wine left in it, it's but. C- It does. You just have to take it out of the box and then the little bladder has a lot of wine left in there. So it just got a little light. It reminds me of like in the Bible when it talks about
1: not putting new wine in an old wineskin.
0: It is a wineskin. It is. It's not made out of like cowhide. It's plastic
1: wineskin.
0: Plastic wineskin. Bed for fishes. Yeah. Good for Anna. (laughs) Okay, back to Piaget. May we?
1: Is that okay with you for a moment? Um. Fine. (laughs) Piaget's view is that early cognitive development involves processes that are based on actions and then later progresses to the changes in the mental operation. Yeah. So it's all about, and I, we were talking about this before we start our episode, that I love that reference that when children are like little scientists. Yeah. And that everything they do, they're experimenting. They're in. just
0: testing theories. That's yeah. Right.
1: That's exactly what they do. From birth on, they're testing theories. And
0: I gave mom this example while we were talking about this, but right now I'm I'm working with this four-year-old who's very smart. I mean, he's probably way more advanced than four years old in terms of cognitive development, but he's been lying lately. And so the way we talked about it and the way I framed it to him was you were testing a theory. I don't think I said those exact words, but I said mm. that basically in, a, in in four-year-old language. You were trying something. You yeah. were trying something that you thought would work because he thought lying would get him out of trouble. And I said, okay, you were testing something. Was that right or wrong? And he was able to say it was wrong. I got in more trouble. And I ah. said, okay, are we going to do that again? Because we know that it's not right. And he was like, no. So, I mean, he he was testing a theory that was not right. Right. I mean, because when his dad found out, he obviously got in more trouble. So he was testing a theory about the world. Like, if I lie, if I say something that gets me out of this, I will get in less trouble. That wasn't true, but he tested it.
1: Right. And a lot of kids test that, by the way.
0: Yeah, that's a very common (laughs) test.
1: (laughs) That's one of those that they test a lot. So we are going to talk about the stages of Piaget that he talked about, the stages, the developmental stages. But before we do that part, there are just some specific words and some specific ideas that we want to basically define.
0: The first one, the main one, Mm -hmm. is schema. That is a word that's going to pop up a lot in the theory discussion. Mm -hmm. A schema, I don't... Do people outside of the psychology world know about schema? (laughs)
1: Well, I was thinking it's it's confusing to me because we've talked about schema in another. We have.
0: We've definitely used the word schema. I feel like I was definitely aware of the word schema before I studied psychology.
1: Yeah, you hear it. I think you hear it, especially, I don't know what it's in, in reference to outside of psychology. I don't either. Movies or something. I don't know. Maybe. Something it's mentioned in movies. I don't know. I think it's a word that we hear, but I don't know that a lot of people know R- what it means.
0: Right, right. I think it's more applicable in the psychology world. Right. So a schema basically is, it was originally proposed by a philosopher, Immanuel Kant, and it's structures that help us perceive the world. And that's basically what they are in this theory, too. It's not like that changed a whole lot. A schema in the Piaget theory is a structured cluster of concepts, basically. Structured cluster. I know it's, (laughs) that's my life. My life is a structured cluster. (laughs) But it's a cluster of concepts used to represent things that we encounter in our lives. So objects, scenarios, relationships, people, sequences of events. I mean, there's a lot of different types of schema, schemata is the plural, Mm -hmm. uh, that we can have. Piaget called it a basic building block of intelligence. And it was the way to organize our knowledge as our knowledge grows. And that relates to, in general, Piaget's theories, because his theories have to do with how does knowledge grow. Mm -hmm. So if we're talking about, well, when our knowledge grows, when we learn more things, how do we classify that information? How do we organize that information? Schemata are how we do that. A Mm -hmm. schema is what we use to organize that information into, into groups. Right. Into into. So it's Files. like having big rubber
1: made tubs. Yeah. And each rubber made tub has a label on it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Mom has always used Rubbermaid tubs for her organization. Uh, I was thinking file cabinets. <laughs> yeah.
1: Or and I saw that written to index cards. Yeah, index cards. Yeah. Rubbers, yeah. So each index card is a is a schema.
0: And we we like patterns. We've talked about this in other episodes that we, as humans, look for ways to group things right we look for ways to put things into categories exactly and schemata are how we do that in this theory especially Mm -hmm. exactly and this says to piaget cognitive development hinges on an individual acquiring more schemas and increasing the nuance and complexity of existing schemas right so Basically, we like have a set of schemas, like a set of categories that we have for the world, and then we put things into those categories or change those categories to fit information. Right. And these schemata are created as children when we interact with the world. So that's where that testing things come, mm-hmm. comes in. We, we say like, okay, this is the way that I conceptualize this information, but there's this new piece of information. So how do I fit that into these boxes? Right. Which tub do I put that into? (laughs) Which Rubbermaid tub (laughs) do I put this information in? This is not a commercial for Rubbermaid. However. Now, if you want to sponsor us, Rubbermaid, (laughs) get a hold of us. (laughs) These, so. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yes. Anna finally is so done. about the noise. <laughs> I made that noise like three times during lunch, and she's like, Yee, my noise is rubbing off on you. Because I've done. The-
1: when I get frustrated <laughs> and I can't think of how, where I want to do my next set of words.
0: Go, <laughs> it makes, it's just, it encompasses a lot, that noise. Yeah. When I was reading about schemas, It said there are three types of schemas called behavioral, operational, and symbolic. Right. And that the source of those was Piaget's book called like The Origin of Intelligence or I can't remember what it's called. I looked up a PDF of the book. I downloaded a PDF of the book. Holy cow. Because I was like, well, okay. And you and I talked about this while we were talking about this episode, which the best way to talk about schemas and and especially like how we sort information into schemas is to use examples. Right. So when I was reading about these types, I was saying, I don't get this without examples. Right. I need to have some examples. So maybe he has some examples in his book. Mm-hmm. I couldn't even find these in his book. <laughs> I was looking at his book and it's like, I looked up, So I looked up operational schemata, or just schema, because that would play into schemata. Right. It was in there once, and it was not like a a heading or anything. It was just in the middle of a sentence. Oh my gosh. With no preamble. And I looked at behavioral schemata. I spelled it without a U and with a U, and there's nothing. (laughs) And I looked up symbolic schemata, and there's nothing. There is nothing in that book that has behavioral or symbolic schemata in it. So... I don't think those are real. <laughs> I don't know where those came from. You have a lot of emotion going on right I now, Diana. Do you have a process? Like a it? half an hour <laughs> reading this stupid book trying to find this schemata information. So I couldn't find his schemata information in this yeah. entire book. So instead I'm gonna talk about other types of because whenever I looked up like, oh, types of schemata, it was or schema or anything. It was it was not the, I couldn't find these three types of schema listed anywhere. Huh. Okay. Anywhere. I don't know what's going on. I'm just very <laughs> tired. Oh. <laughs> I was so tired. I was just so tired. I just wanted to go to bed and it wouldn't let me. I just, I had to do my homework. Poor Anna. So. Okay, so the types of schemata that I did find, and you can help me come up with examples for these.
1: Oh, good luck with that. Okay.
0: Thanks. First is object. So mm-hmm. that's things. The, the example that I found was like a door. Mm-hmm. Like you generally know what a door is. Mm-hmm. And it has some subsets. Like you know that a garage door is different than a door. But you know that they're both types of doors. Mm -hmm. So you kind of lump them in the same category. So we can have like subsets of schema where they fit in the same general group. Right. But we know
1: all the the doors are in a big Rubbermaid tub. But then if you reach in the big Rubbermaid tub, there might be littler tubs tubs. that have like, you know, like front doors on your house and garage doors and Portals on revolving doors, anything that's doors. Portals
0: on space. Yeah, She's <laughs> a lot of littler. If anyone's wondering, this is how mom organized everything in our childhood. We had Lego Rubbermaid tubs. We had- <laughs> each of them slept in a Rubbermaid tub. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was just Rubbermaid tubs with blankets I in I put it. a little put a little label on it. That's Anna. what we played with when it was. <laughs> Time for playtime. Please don't report me. Can we? (laughs) The Statue of limitations is run out. out. Uh, We should probably tell that story of when Gabe and I were uh, hurtling down a hill in a cardboard box. That has nothing to do with
1: rubbermaid, and I was not there. In tubs,
0: I'll tell it.
1: What so, does this have to do with Piaget? Are you ending your Piaget
0: statements? No, fine. I won't do any tangents no, ever. I go just won't on, tell go any, on. Uh, any side go stories. On, and don't I will not be using all be... those
1: expletives. <laughs> There's another word <laughs> I
0: can't say. <laughs> expletives. <laughs> expletives. Superlatives.
1: That's together. Okay, tell us about... How, go on. You need to. Obviously, you need to process that. So let's do it right no, now.
0: No, I don't even want to anymore. Come on. <laughs> so... Gabe and I would eventually sometimes be babysat by our cousin, Brent. And at one point, me and Brent thought it was a really good idea to duct tape a cardboard box to a skateboard. Mm -hmm. And we have this big, like, blacktop hill in our backyard. We thought it was a really good idea to go down that in a cardboard box (laughs) taped to a skateboard. We sent Gabe down first, of course. (laughs) He was the, he, he was, was the, the lightest thing. Yeah. We thought that if he was going to crash in anything, it would be. <laughs> it was fine. It was fine. We were all fine. We eventually all went down it, mm-hmm. like down the hill in the cardboard box. There was no blood. No. Oh, no one got hurt. No, I mean, there it, was, was some bruises. it was perfectly it was, okay. Everything was fine. And eventually, now we've talked on the show before about how my biological father is a bit of a pill to say the least. And he was not happy when we told him this story that no. we were all very excited about. And he sent a letter to my mom. A nasty gram. A nasty gram.
1: <laughs> I had several nasty grams.
0: About how, how astronomically bad that idea was. Like it had been mom's idea. Like mom takes like a to skateboard it. and sent us down. So in my object schema of fun things. Uh-huh. A box taped to a skateboard is part of it's it. It's a fun thing. It's a fun thing. That's exactly right. That's how I'm linking into Piaget. Mom!
1: Very good. Thanks. You pulled that around pretty Thanks. good. Okay. You feel better now that you've shared that?
0: No, because my mom shamed me before.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's because I feel a little sad that, that that happened and I wasn't even aware it happened when it happened. That you
0: weren't there to see Gabe hurtling down a hill? Yes. <laughs> Actually, I'm kind of glad I didn't see that, but... But I saw a picture. Remember, you had pictures. Oh, yeah, we did it. Took I mean, pic- we eventually, took pictures. Yeah. Well, we must Maybe have done it. Maybe I took pictures. I was going to say, you probably, we didn't I really I think use you did it later, and it was like, well, because we yeah. were like, look at this cool thing we figured out.
1: When I was we like, We made the wow. thing. And I was like, wow, my children are intelligent and creative. And They're inventive. geniuses. We should market this. We should market this.
0: bucks <laughs> on the board. I'm a single mom, not making a lot of money as a <laughs> we teacher. We need a patent to get some freaking money flowing here. I need to buy more Rubbermaid made. I need to buy- <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no. That's where it started. It was a cardboard box. It was not a Rubbermaid tub.
1: That's true. Rubbermaid probably would have
0: been safer. Yeah. I'm just saying.
1: But more harder more to protection.
0: take. <laughs> yeah. On second thought, if we would have actually crashed in anything, a cardboard box would not have been much protection. Probably huh? not. No. So, okay. Object schemas. Yeah. Those are things. Mm-hmm. The next type is a role schema, R-O-L-E. Mm-hmm. Not like a buttery role, <laughs> but that could be a schema. You yeah, That's part of one, yeah. <laughs> but a role schema is general. So it's things like doctors or right. waiters or just when you encounter someone in a specific role, you expect them to act a certain way and interact with you in a certain way. Moms,
1: dads. N- yeah, yeah. yeah those can be schemas.
0: Mm-hmm. Although there are also person schemas that are Mm. more specific so like a family member or a friend and that's generally like how we think of them and how we know them okay so like if you were to act very strangely to me i would be like that's not a normal that doesn't fit into my schema of my mom oh okay or if i were to act like i had my shit together you'd be (laughs) like that doesn't fit in my (laughs) schema of anna That is not true. But, but we can kind of, I mean, that's, uh, to me, that goes with empathy. Mm-hmm. That we know when someone's acting a little weird because, and in this theory, it doesn't fit into our schema of that person. Right, right, It just doesn't track with how they are. Right. So that's person and role. And then there's social, which is how to behave in certain situations. So mm-hmm. if I go see a movie, my movie-going schema Gives me a general idea of what kinds of situations I might encounter when going to a movie. So I know that I'll probably have to talk to the ticket taker. I know I'll probably have to like right. move if past gets... people to get into a seat. Right. I mean, I know there are general situations that I will have to navigate in this particular circumstance. Right. So that's a social stigma. Schema. Dang it.
1: These oh, we're so close.
0: Very close. Yes. Stigma is different.
1: <laughs> well, I think maybe what your brain was doing, though, was social. Because what I went to right away is that is I feel... Is it because I
0: have social anxiety and everything is a stigma when it a, comes well, to social situations?
1: I feel like I feel like these days, a lot of young people deal with not being very good at social interactions. And so right. I'm sitting here thinking to myself, is that because something's getting screwed up with their social schema development? is there a maybe
0: they're yeah. not encountering
1: it in the right way well, maybe, that's not maybe that's it maybe that's like
0: people kids don't get exposed to certain situations because i do think that there is this kind of the world is not as safe as it once was mm. so there's a lot more sheltering going on mm-hmm. and i think that is a detriment to kids in that they can't experience certain situations and develop a schema if we're looking at it that way Of how to interact in those situations. Well,
1: and okay, here's one for you. Okay.
0: Uh Hit I me. think especially <laughs> here it goes bring it bring it bring it.
1: especially pe- uh, older people at this point in time often get very upset and I do too so I guess I'm an old person um like when you go into a restaurant and everybody's on their phones while they're having dinner together oh, yeah. sure. and you have this feeling like don't the young people know that they sometimes need to put their phones down and interact but if their schema is that they have their phone on right. all the time I mean that's that's their I mean, life experience I have spoken
0: having worked with kids for a while there are a lot of kids that say my parents have their phones out whenever right. we eat.
1: So they're all there doing it. Yeah, so, so that's, that's the, the schema. schema
0: that it, they develop. Right.
1: So we can't blame them for doing that if no. we we've, we've basically if their experience, which we know is the whole Piaget thing is exactly. actual active right experience. Exactly.
0: And I mean that goes into a whole conversation of how much can we actually blame kids for because that's just how they've been raised. Right, exactly. But that's a whole nother situation. That could be almost that's a, whole a whole episode. episode. So social schemas play very well into event schemas, which are basically they're called scripts. Keeping with the movie example. I know when I go to see a movie, I will probably be expected to do a certain set of actions and perform a certain set of behaviors. So like I have to buy a ticket. And I may get popcorn, and then I have to choose a seat, and then I have to turn off my phone, and then I have to watch watch the movie. I mean, like, there are a certain set of expectations that are involved in a certain circumstance, so that mm-hmm. is an event schema. Schema, okay. The other example I saw from that was, uh, like, going to a restaurant and ordering
1: that's the one I read, yeah. Yeah,
0: so like when you go, you know that that event has a certain set of expectations and a certain set of behaviors that we do. Right. I mean, to me, those are social norms. So
1: then in the world today, when like now you go to a restaurant and instead of having a waitress come to your table and take your order or whatever, all oh, of you a do sudden... on your phone
0: or whatever. Yeah.
1: So how does that, how do we adjust our schema then? If we're already an adult and we've had this built into us of how we order in a restaurant and all of a sudden now we have to do it on a computer, or something
0: i mean i think it's like any other habit that we have we just have to be aware that that's a habit we have and we have to be aware on how to break it
1: okay so we can change our we can broaden our schema we
0: can what a what a great segue well (laughs) there's also self schemas which are a bit harder for me to understand but it's basically how we look at ourselves and it includes who we are and who we used to be and who we can be and all that stuff, but that's kind of like a person schema just with ourselves. Okay. But when it comes to modifying our schemas, there are a certain set of terms that we have with that. Those are accommodation, assimilation, and equilibration. I'm counting on my fingers She's because doing I very am tipsy. Big fingers. fingers okay. Fingers, fingers. <laughs> so yes. An important part of schemas is that we are able to modify them. We are able to adjust our schemas when we take in new information, and there are some keywords that I just mentioned, and the first is assimilation. That is when we encounter a new piece of information we are able to put it into a schema that we already have. And assimilation is a term that people have heard right assimilating is bringing something into something else i always
1: think of star trek when i hear that i was
0: gonna uh, or (laughs) assimilate i I think of like immigrants assimilating into the culture oh yeah okay yeah so i mean like their assimilation is a thing i think of the borg
1: in star trek so yeah sorry
0: Wow, what a role <laughs> reversal. I was just going to say, isn't it you that's usually doing that end of it? Yeah, exhibit? usually it's me thinking of space <laughs> things when it comes to terms. That
1: particular Star Trek, though, was very startling well, to me. Well, so.
0: assimilation in that term was used in a bit of a negative context. Yeah, very negative. Yes. Like against
1: your will essentially. Yes, exactly. Yeah.
0: But this is in a more, I am choosing to put this thing in this category that I already have. Right. It's that a is, yeah, that is in contrast with accommodation, which is where you get a new piece of information and you modify an existing schema or create an entirely new schema to fit that new information. Because you try to assimilate it into something and you realize it doesn't really fit. It's like square peg, round hole situation, and you had to create a new schema. And equilibration is what drives this, basically. So equilibration, equilibrium basically, is balance. So a child has equilibrium if his existing schemas can accommodate all or most of the new information he's getting, but then when he finds new information that he can't fit into his schemas, he experiences disequilibration, which mm-hmm. is unbalance. Right. It's like, oh, this doesn't feel good. I I can't overwhelmed. I can't process this new information. Mm-hmm. So that leads to wanting to fix that, wanting to restore balance, and that leads to the modifying of schemas.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, example time because I think the best way to understand all this is an example. I agree. So, a little girl knows about dogs. She has dogs down pat. She knows they are hairy things with four legs and a tail. That's a dog, baby. That's what a dog is. Now, she encounters a horse. Uh huh. That's a dog, baby. It's got four legs, it's, it's hairy. hairy. It's got a tail. Yeah.
1: It's a big dog.
0: So, that is assimilating. Into what she already knows. Mm-hmm. That is placing this piece of new information into a category that she already has. Her parents are like, no, that's a horse. <laughs> They're saying it's a totally different thing. It neighs. You can ride it. You can't do those things. You can't do that with dogs. Dogs say Except bark. Except for my
1: dog. You can ride my dog. You can ride, you could ride yeah. yeah.
0: You could ride mom's dog. She is a very a dog. But it doesn't girl. neigh, so it's doesn't all right. It doesn't neigh. But yeah, there's differences and the parents try to point them out. Mm-hmm. And this is just too much. This is yeah, blown. the kids just <laughs> totally mind blown. So that's disequilibrium. Uh-huh. The kid is saying, "Okay, this new information doesn't fit in my schema." So she has to make a new schema of horses, and that's accommodation.
1: A new rubbermaid tub.
0: She makes a new rubbermaid tub. She gets it's a new label. labeled she horses. It's a new label on it. and says horses. <laughs> So in the same pen as this horse is a miniature horse. And she says, okay, that's got to be a dog, right? And and they're like, no, it's not a dog. It's a horse. So now she has to modify further her schema for horses because her horse schema is basically like, okay, it's a dog, but bigger. Uh But now it's like, okay, it could be a thing that looks like a horse, but it's smaller. Uh Like horses aren't necessarily big. There's another subset of horses that are miniature horses. Uh So she's modifying her existing schema. So that's also accommodation to make room for this new information.
1: Wow. Isn't it amazing what our brains do?
0: It's really cool. I do want to make a note here about... Gender and sexual identity because mm-hmm. I always have to make a note about LGBT stuff because that's where I'm big I'm wearing my big gay ring today I showed my mom earlier mm-hmm. but I think there's a lot of this going on in like the gender and sexual identity in culture the accommodating and assimilating schema oh okay I, I think that a lot of people who aren't used to those ideas see the ideas of like diverse gender presentation and diverse sexual identity and they try to fit them into these existing schemas. That's
1: kinda like when we talked about cross-dressing and Yeah,
0: yeah. And, and I think
1: mislabeling and Yeah,
0: I think like people who are bi get mm-hmm. the like, oh you're just half straight and half gay. Mm-hmm. It, you're trying to fit it into these existing schemas but buy is its own thing like i think you're you're trying to fit it into and that's again it's not like assimilation is a bad thing it's not like working with these schemas that you already have is a bad thing you just have to be open to modifying your schemas you have to be open to getting this new information and saying like oh that's a totally different thing mm-hmm. I, uh, open mind i guess is the bottom line of that that's a good way to say it
1: yeah. But it's fair to say that, like, especially in those kind of situations, that sometimes it is, it takes us time. Oh,
0: it's hard. I, I work a lot with um, trans people and just people in their life who are basically like, I've, I've known them as this gender for this many years. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I know, that sucks. That's really hard. But they're not that gender. That goes
1: back to two what you were saying before about if we have a schema of if we're a parent and our schema of our child is yeah. this is my son. A person
0: <laughs> schema, yeah. Right, and then
1: and then suddenly your son is your daughter. Right. That is that's a. It just it's takes a time huge, to modify. Yeah.
0: It's huge. It comes with some maybe grief. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot that goes into it, but it is possible to change your schema or make a new schema about mm-hmm. that person and exactly. accommodate all that new information
1: that was an interesting sidebar thanks i, I just really I, didn't I, have it was,
0: it was on my heart well maybe Learned somebody needed it. to hear that maybe if you needed to hear about it
1: let us know that let you us know message
0: that. us yeah because i love to talk to people about it
1: you know that that is your heart so
0: should we <laughs> so we're at about an hour yeah i think that we should should we do a closing I think
1: we should do a closing <laughs> okay. and then and then say if you've been listening, we are just like literally halfway through PS. Yeah, literally. Yeah, yeah, we
0: just we're halfway through the iceberg here.
1: Right. So so we would love for you after you listen to this episode to very soon look for the next episode, which will be the second part of I'll Piaget. probably put it
0: up after Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Okay. So so we probably won't skip a week. That's good news.
1: <laughs> so I know that sometimes people listen to episodes of podcasts at all different times of the year. We are recording this the week before Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving and so we could say Happy Thanksgiving. But happy I Thanksgiving, realize, everybody. you know, you might be listening to this in we the should just middle of summer.
0: happy all holidays all the time. <laughs> we should. Because we don't know who's Every listening to- when. we should
1: say Happy Birthday in case it's <laughs> your birthday. Happy Birthday,
0: everybody. <laughs>
1: I'm not sure how Anna's going to get through another episode, but we're going to do it, by golly. Take some
0: shots. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) jeez.
1: Okay, so we will continue the conversation about Jean Piaget's cognitive development in our next episode.
0: Will you thank the people?
1: Oh, I will. Thank you so much for joining us today on Freudian Sips. And we encourage you to tell your friends about us. If you haven't talked about us uh, with your family and friends, do that. Yeah. Or maybe listen with them. That would be kind of a fun thing. Ooh. That would be neat. Please know that we appreciate you and it's always good to hear from you. So so drop us a note somewhere where we can hear from you.
0: Somewhere being any somewhere. social media, basically. Freudian Sips Pod is our name on basically everything, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, If you want to get a hold of us on email, it's FreudianSipsPod at gmail.com. Like, I I wasn't being facetious. I really do. Like, if you just have a thing that you want to tell us about, just email us and, like, let us know. I I would love to talk to you guys about some of this stuff. Mm -hmm. So, we are on Patreon as well. If you want to support us, we're Pod. Remember to leave us a nice rating and review Um, if you do that, and then you send Send us a screenshot of it and your address we will send you a sticker. Our theme music is Sweet of Remooth by Kevin McCloud and it sounds like this.